Well, welcome back. Um, maybe for some of you, you joined us this morning. Maybe you're here for the first time. Well, welcome and happy Christmas to you all. Uh, we pray you're well and safe and looking forward to this wonderful season where we remember the birth of Jesus. Well, today has been a little bit different for our online viewers. We are so thankful for you and that you are joining us like this. Uh, but we have produced the first half of our service slightly differently for you specifically, where there will be uh, carols and readings and videos, which I pray if you were here this morning have enjoyed and have been a blessing to you. Tonight will be similar and then you will join us in a few minutes as we uh, dig into God's word together and we do that live from our building. But for the first half, we have produced a, a number of videos and a number of carols for you, for you to enjoy at home. So. Uh, find a place to relax and maybe a place of quietness and uh, enjoy this first number of minutes and then we will join together and we will uh, broadcast directly from the church building live in about uh, 15 or 20 minutes time. So enjoy these first few minutes online and then we will join together and open God's word in a, in a little while. God bless and enjoy this stream. <laughs> Stars are brightly shining. It is the night of our dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world sin and air upon till He appeared, and our soul fell.
the very first Christmas from long, long ago shows a scene in a stable. I think we all know this story from old, where we always begin with Mary and Joseph, no room at the inn, and there in the shelter, safe from all danger, Jesus, God's Son, is asleep in a manger, while outside the sky is a light with God's glory. Come listen to me, and I'll tell you a story. High above in the rafters on this starry night, an owl ever watchful looked down on the sight. He focused his gaze, and then he could see why this Savior, he said, is not needed by me. I'm proud of my deeds. I, I try to be good. I always help others and do what I should. Looking down on the Christ child asleep in the hay, he blinked and he shrugged and he flew far away. Yes, all seemed quite calm and all seemed quite bright, but it wasn't really a still silent night. For in scampered a squirrel, his mind in a tizzy, he was always so active and frightfully busy. He glanced at the child and he started to chatter. Babies are nice, but this child doesn't matter. This story's all nonsense. I'm not going to worry. So he scoffed at God's son and went off in a hurry. Now the owl had long gone and the squirrel had fled. When a curious field mouse then entered the shed, he crept in so quietly, keeping aloof, aware of the happenings under the roof. I've heard the good news that the shepherds were told and already made known through the prophets of old. I can hardly believe it. How can this be that Jesus, God's son, came to earth to save me? He fixed his wide eyes on the sleeping child's face and humbly knelt down at the sight of God's grace. The stable grew silent in the glow of soft light and the field mouse stayed close and watched through the night. Now this was a story, as I've previously said, of an owl and a squirrel and a mouse in a shed. But the babe in the manger was real long ago. It says in the Bible, for God loved the world so. Some look on this scene and may think it quite odd that the child in the manger is the fullness of God. But this child was God's promise, his plan of salvation, good news of forgiveness for each tribe, tongue and nation. For all those who trust and believe in his name, there's life everlasting. That's why Jesus came. This Christmas consider and think it all through. The mouse, the owl, or the squirrel. Which one are you?
Amen. 
We would spend Christmas 2020 knowing and having and trusting Jesus as our Savior. So bless us in this time, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, Christmas, Christmas evokes a whole lot of feelings, doesn't it? I don't know whether that's true for you, but uh, it is for me. Many, for many of us, it maybe brings back memories. Um, I remember... Uh, just a few days ago talking with the elders about Christmas morning service and saying I can't remember not being at a Christmas day service in the church except for last year when I was sick and I was unable to be here. It's a time, isn't it, for us to remember things in the past and to bring back those memories and to cherish them. But But Christmas is also a sort of peculiar time of year. It's a time to be reminded of Jesus, yes, who he is and why he came. It's a time when people actually are more than open 
to talk about Christmas and the meaning of the story. More people attend church at Christmas than probably any other time in the year. People are more available, more present, and more ready to listen. And so in that sense, it's become quite a peculiar time of year. But Christmas and the biblical story of Christmas, the one that we have together as a church looked at over the last number of weeks, is familiar, isn't it? It's actually not just familiar to us in this church, but to everyone here who uh, is living and breathing probably. You know the Christmas story. For many of us, uh, if we were to go out and we were to take, I don't know, half a dozen people, a dozen people maybe, from our local community, from our workplace, wherever it may be, and we were to interview those dozen people, say, and we were to ask them if they could tell us about the Christmas story, they could do that. Many of us would be able to do that. Okay, we might not get all the events in the right order, but we would have a good shot of being able to piece together the Christmas story because people are familiar with it. But my concern is that familiarity has been a breeding ground for disillusionment. People have become maybe disillusioned with Christmas. So what that means, disillusioned, is that it really isn't what we thought it was. But over the years, it just really hasn't, or has become something that it really wasn't when, it was, when, when we were way back in the years, uh, in the early days, when we were kids. And we can get so caught up, can't we, in this secular Christmas, that emotion takes the place of devotion. That's very easy caught up in all the emotion of Christmas, we forget about devotion to who the Christmas story is all about. The other dangers in disillusionment is that symbolism lacks substance. Lots of symbols that point us to the real meaning of Christmas, but they lack substance. And then the other danger and the third danger is this, that the findings of old, those things that we cherish, the things that we know, the old blessings of the biblical account of Christmas, they get in the way of new discoveries. Surely everyone likes to discover something new, right? But the problem is our familiarity of the old sometimes get in the way of new discoveries. Now you've all heard of a man who says, humbug. Humbug. All humbug. You've heard that, right? You know where that comes from. Kids would know that, I'm sure, hopefully. And all your adults as well. Yes, it's Charles Dickens's Ebenezer Scrooge. And he was a grump. He really was a grump. Now, please keep your eyes forward when I ask this next question. Do you know a Scrooge in your life? Keep your eyes to the front, please. No arguments over Christmas. <laughs> this year has been hard enough. The reality is, there's a little bit of Scrooge in every one of us, <laughs> including me. Humbug is living in the hearts of us in this room. It's living in the hearts of those in our local shop, those in our car wash, those whom we work with, our neighbors. It is in the people we have met in the last seven days. 
people feel this way at this time of the year because many have become disillusioned with the secular Christmas. And it's fancy get-up. And I'm not saying we shouldn't put the trees up and put the lights up and all that sort of stuff. But people have become disillusioned with what it really means. Especially in this year, right? In a year where Christmas won't be what we want it to be. And they have become more and more confused because of that with the true biblical Christmas. Why we want to meet and worship an incarnate Christ. Someone who came, became a man and died on a cross to take away our sins. That's why. That's the true biblical Christmas. But why are people confused with the first Christmas we read of here that we've been reading of? Well, because we have and maybe struggle to articulate what it really means for Jesus to take on flesh and how he dwells among us. See, if we can't articulate that as Christians, people will get confused about what Christmas really means. Well, let me introduce you to a man named Simeon. We read of him, didn't we, just now? His name was Common in the first century. We don't read of him anywhere else in the Bible except here in Luke 2. Nowhere else. He was a very ordinary man. However, God gave him a very extraordinary privilege. And that's why this evening the title of this sermon is exactly that. The Ordinary and the Extraordinary. Well, let me say this at this point. God uses ordinary people to do and to experience extraordinary things. He did it all through the Bible, didn't he? If you know anything about the Bible, any of the stories from the Old Testament, maybe you've been brought up in Sunday school or whatever, you will know some characters in the Bible, real people who went through real things, and they were just ordinary. Maybe you're sitting here or listening online, and you look around you each day, and you see people who seem extraordinary. They take the limelight, got everything going for them. Those who are seemingly more talented than you are, well, take heart, because God, right here in this story, reaches down, and he takes an ordinary man named Simeon, and actually, if we were to read on, which we're not going to do tonight, actually he takes an ordinary woman named Anna, and he uses them and blesses them in an extraordinary way. Just look about you tonight. There is, there are few, if any here, in this room who are mighty. Maybe you are, maybe you think you're mighty. There are very few, if any of us, who are extremely wise. You might be wise, but you're never probably extremely wise. We don't, I don't think in the Connie have any influential or powerful people. Yet he chooses those who are weak and those who are weary and the wanderers to do his work of sharing Jesus with the world and bringing down the strongholds of the evil. And he uses the ordinary people. Let me tell you, when we reach heaven, 
those of us who love and trust Christ, we will be in wonder, I have no doubt, at just how many Simeons there are in heaven. And just how many Annas there are there too. And we'll be in awe that those who were the focus of events on this earth weren't in God's eyes the focus of events. But God was interested in the ordinary you and me. Back to Simeon. He was a layman, not a priest. He would have been your neighbor if you lived in the first century. He would have been at the shops or the market and you would have rubbed shoulders with him. He was an ordinary individual. However, from verse 25 of Luke chapter 2, if you have a Bible still open, which I hope you do, we know that he was a righteous man and he was devout, a man filled with the Holy Spirit, a man who was waiting for Jesus to come. That's a summary there. And centuries had passed, as, it, as I said last weekend actually, when God is apparently silent, yet here again we find a faithful man like Zechariah we find a man called Simeon and a woman called Anna who are waiting for Jesus to arrive. That's what it means. They're waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simply that means they're waiting for Christ. They're waiting for Jesus. It tells us in verse 26 that Simeon was told by the Holy Spirit, which is the gift that God has given us through Christ and he lives in us, the Holy Spirit, and guides us. It tells us that Simeon was told by that Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit, that he would live to see Jesus with his very own eyes. Verse 26. How amazing is that? You will not die before you see Jesus with your very own eyes. And so he did. And here, in this moment in history, <clears throat> we find Simeon in the temple, which would have been filled with people. No social distancing. Men and women of all ages, women and children would be there. Now, don't think that little old Simeon is walking about asking every woman with a baby, um, excuse me, do you have the Messiah in your, in your arms? Now, that would be a bit weird. That wouldn't be happening. Uh, I think everyone would avoid this man, Simeon, uh, as ordinary as he is. No, God, by the Holy Spirit, led ordinary Simeon to the Christ child, which is a mystery. He literally led him there to a couple named Mary and Joseph. And in Mary's arms, there was Jesus. And this ordinary man took that child now, there's one conclusion I can draw here. This ordinary man was in tune with God's purposes, wasn't he? He was in tune with God's purposes. The Spirit was working in him, and he was fulfilling the purposes of God. And can we say that for ourselves, Christians, tonight? Are we in tune with God's purposes? And the way to do that, and the way to figure out whether you are or not, is do we know his word that well that we are walking in step with his purposes? Are we in tune with the spirit? 
this evening. Well, Simeon takes Christ into his arms, this small baby of eight days old, and now we read Simeon's song, and it is glorious. In verses 29 to 32, we read the song. We don't know how it would have sounded, but he sang this over Jesus. Can you just picture that for a moment? This ordinary guy singing over the Christ child. And I want to make three simple observations which come, out, come straight out of the text as we think about the real Christmas story and the incarnation of Jesus, how Jesus became man. Firstly, in verse 30, salvation. That's the first point, salvation. It comes straight out of the text. For my eyes have seen your salvation. There it is. Now imagine a first century slave and his master for a moment, if you can. Even that imagery of master and slave, which obviously we don't see these days, but you can imagine that. The master tells his slave, and this given moment, he says this, stay up all night. He says, go up on the highest hill. Wait on that hill and watch for a special star rising in the sky. And then he puts a caveat on the end. You must not fall asleep until you see the star. And then he says, call me. Well, he can't call him, you know, in the old days. Come and tell me when you've done that. And then you can go to sleep. But don't you dare fall asleep until that's done. Now if you have that picture in your mind, Simeon was given the same responsibility. He was waiting for the morning star, Jesus, the Son of God, or if you like, the consolation of Israel. And Simeon's whole life was that essentially waiting on the hill moment. He was to wait for his appearance and he was faithful to do just that. The Holy Spirit moves in a very peculiar way here, doesn't it? Into the temple, as I've said, before, said already, come two people, a couple. Simeon walks over, takes the child in his arms and says these exact words. Now I can fall asleep. Job's done. What he was waiting for. The picture is now complete. The final piece of the puzzle that Simeon has been waiting for has been slotted in. And he says this, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Why? Because Simeon's eyes have seen the salvation. They have seen salvation in this child. And he says, Lord, I can die now. See, the Christmas story helps not only us to know how to live, because it tells us all about that, how we are to live, but it also teaches us how we are to die. 
You say, that's a bit morbid for Christmas service. That's the reality. It teaches us how to live and it also teaches us how to die. We'll come back to that thought, plant that in your mind, we'll come back to it at the end. But this salvation wasn't just for Simeon. Look at verse 31. That you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Salvation is for black people and white people and tall people and short people and rich people and poor people. Male and female, boy and girl, child, every single person. Salvation is for Look back at verses 9 and 10, actually, of chapter 2. Just gaze your eye up. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them. This is the shepherds in the field. And the glory of the Lord shone all around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This wasn't a, a group in a corner somewhere or in a village somewhere. This was all people or peoples, if you like. All generations. Everybody in this room included. Everybody watching online. Do you know Christmas card companies control Christmas? Do you know that? Maybe that's a bit extreme. But Hallmark has a lot to answer for. Okay? Because some of us think that these angels coming down to speak to the shepherds are like a few high school girls with their hair all done up and uh, all their makeup slapped on. And they come down from heaven and they meet these burly, strong shepherd men. (laughs) And they come down and go, Ooh, hello. And uh, they say, Do not be afraid. And the, the burly shepherds stand up and say, afraid? We're not afraid of anything. You know, that's the sort of thing we get when we, when we look at a card. But that's not how it went down in the first century. We've made this scene sort of really strange, actually. The fear that we read of here, as we just read it, the fear that came upon these shepherd men was the fear of God. That's what it was. It was the wonder in their hearts that God would break into time. Is there any wonder that so many of us distance ourselves from the real story of Christmas when we think about it like that in a secular way? We put the nativity scene up we put the crib maybe in the garden if you're into that sort of stuff. Uh, we put up some lights and a few candles and we put them at arm's length. And we missed the point. Why? Because emotion has taken the place of devotion. That's what? Simeon says... I understand it now. The final piece of the puzzle has arrived and I understand it. The Christ child is my salvation. He is the salvation of all people. He is the one who will take away the sins of the world. He is the Savior. 
Second word straight out of verse 31 of chapter 2 is this preparation, preparation. Simeon sings a song and talks about preparation. What does that mean, preparation? Well, simply this. The events of Bethlehem were hatched before the beginning of time. Let that sit in your, in your heart. The events of Bethlehem were hatched before the beginning of time. God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the triune God as we call it, are in an eternal covenant. Okay? They're in an eternal covenant with each other. Nothing can break that up. And in human terms, they decided who would do what. Okay, I'm going to make this as simple as possible for you this evening. The Father said, I will send you the Son. And the Son said, yes. And then the Son said, well, when I return to you, Father, I will leave the Holy Spirit as a gift and a comforter for my people. And so it was. These things didn't just happen. They weren't a decision of a spare-of-the-moment thing. No. They were written in eternity past. These ideas weren't just good ideas, but a perfect eternal plan that would bring salvation to many. I read this morning from Galatians 4, 4 to 6, which said this, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And as we read through the Gospels of Jesus, we see Jesus saying that his time has not yet come as he looked forward to his death on a cross. But we now, those who believe, we look forward also to something wonderful, don't we? You see, we, this Christmas, and this is everybody, we can't look at Christ. We can't look at the child in the manger. And not wonder about the day in the future when he will come again. And we, for real, will look into his eyes. The eyes of this conquering king. But you can't think. You can't think of Jesus in the manger as an isolated moment. It's impossible. Third, and finally, straight out of Scripture, we see in verse 32, revelation. That's the word I've used, revelation. A light for revelation to the Gentiles, that's you and me, and for the glory of your people, Israel, God's chosen, chosen people. I said at the beginning, didn't I, about asking our so-called Christian society about Christmas and about the story of Christmas. Well, I wonder if we were to go out and we were to ask them more specifically, why did Jesus come? I wonder sort of what response that you would get. 
I reckon it would be a, misma- a mismatch of sort of folklore and maybe biblical theology in there somewhere, and it would all be mashed up together. But here, an ordinary man named Simeon takes the God-man in his arms and knows in that very moment that he and all peoples have the answer to their salvation. It wasn't that they needed to work harder, to do more, to, to give more. Those things are good when they flow out of faith, but they are not the things that are going to work themselves into being saved. It was that they would need to trust this Christ child. They would need the salvation that this child brings and only he brings. The forgiveness that is found in him is what they needed most. He realized that this child was the culmination, it was the climax of the Old Testament prophecies of this promised Messiah. If you prefer, it was like the curtains were pulled back. Or the shutters were lifted up in Simeon's eyes. And Simeon's heart. And in this moment, God, by his Holy Spirit, revealed his eternal purposes on the stage of history. And it's written here for us. And until we all realize the difference that Jesus made and makes in our lives, Christmas is just a dot on the landscape of your life. And that is all it is and all it will ever be. How sad. This year, everyone is looking forward in some way to Christmas, I think. Sure, even the government is looking forward to Christmas. A few weeks ago, they so desired to keep Christmas alive that they made provision for people to enjoy it. That's changed. But everyone in some way was looking forward to Christmas for whatever reason. Many were saying we needed Christmas after such a hard year. That's what people said. Do you know what? We need Christmas because it's been such a hard year. We just need Christmas and that would just hold on a moment. If Christmas for you is just an escape from reality then you don't know what Christmas is. Maybe you've never realized what Christmas really is. Christmas is real and life-changing if only you knew the baby in the manger for yourself. A savior in a manger isn't someone to think about or glance upon a few Sundays in a year. The savior in a manger, when we see him with our eyes, is, is like Simeon. It changes everything for us forever. You see, if we trust in him and we give our life to him and we seek him for forgiveness, he will live in us by his spirit. Remember those three parts of the Godhead I was talking about? Father, Son, Spirit, and all their roles. The Holy Spirit's role is to live in the believer. 
And he will live in you day by day. He will forgive. He will lead. He will comfort. He will give you peace and joy and purpose. Do you know Jesus? Do you know these realities in your life? Is God opening maybe right now in this moment, wherever you're at? Maybe he's opening up the curtains in your, your mind and in your heart. Maybe you're seeing Christ like you've never seen before. Maybe you're seeing Christmas as something you've never seen it before. Let me summarize this way. Simeon took a baby in his arms and said, okay, I'm ready to die now. Isn't that a bit of a strange thing to say? You say, well, that's just what the Bible says, but think about it for a moment. It seems a little bit of a strange thing for Simeon to say. I'm sure we've all taken babies in our arms, right? Nieces, nephews, sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, friends, neighbors. And we've probably said how lovely they are and how cute they are. And that's so good and that's perfect. But have you ever taken a baby in your arms and go, oh, now I'm ready to die? (laughs) Or maybe at three o'clock in the morning, when (laughs) when you take the baby in your arms and go, I'm ready to die. That's a different story altogether. Here, it's different. Simeon has seen the star rise in the skies. He's seen the child and now he's ready to die. Some think Simeon is an old man because of this statement. And I think he is. I think he probably is an old man. Whether he is or not old, whether he's 85 or 35, after seeing Jesus for real, he'd be ready to die. And so would we. we would be ready to die. Let me tell you this. Wise men came to seek Jesus. We saw that this morning. You know the story. But let me say this also. Wise men and wise women still seek Jesus. Can you say this Christmas that you have seen Jesus and because of that you're ready to die? On the clip, if you were watching it, one in one dies. What a stat. One in one dies. But only those who know, trust, and believe in Jesus have the wonderful hope, peace, and confidence, like Simeon, like Anna, that this life is lived with him and that death is only a doorway to eternal life with our Savior, Jesus Christ. And Jesus leads us all the way through it by his Spirit. What a privileged people we are. Those who have been called to himself. Let this be a warning for some of you. Those who do not trust and believe in Jesus will also experience a doorway to eternal life. But this eternal life will not be spent with Jesus. It will be spent an eternity away from him in a place called hell. 
eternity without this Christ. Serious. Conscious punishment forever without Jesus. Look at verse 35 as we finish. We didn't read it, but we want to read it now. The thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This is the work of Jesus. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. Many hearts may be revealed. Is this a reality tonight as we think upon the Christmas story, what it really is, and who Christmas is all about? Is that a reality for you, that verse? That your heart is being revealed to yourself. Realize tonight just how far away you are, but how close Christ is. Maybe tonight we all will move from simple, secular Christmas emotion to Christ devotion. That mere symbolism will result in real substance in your life. And that the findings of old, that old story that we know so well, we may not just be complacent with that, but that the story of old, the Christmas we know so well, will become a wonderful, a wonderful life-giving discovery. What are we going to do with Christ? We're going to worship him. We're going to give him all that he deserves. And this Christmas is all about Jesus. May that be true for every heart and every life in the room this evening. Let's pray together. Father, we pray what we have said this evening. That Christmas emotion will become Christ's devotion. That mere symbolism will result in real substance in faith. And that the findings of old, what we know of Christmas, will become a wonderful, life-giving discovery for each and every one of us, wherever we are at. Thank you for your word. Thank you for what you have taught us in this evening. Thank you that your word is life-giving. And call, we pray, many to yourself, those who are listening. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.